Hello, and welcome back to the Author Your Dream podcast. This is episode number 28, and in today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with a publicist about marketing and publicity for authors. My guest is going to share some fantastic information on the topic, as well as some practical tips that you can take and use for your own book promotion. It's been a few weeks since our last episode, and I hope you have used that time to be productive in your writing journey. But if not, I just want to encourage you to keep going. Don't let a moment of being unproductive stop you from going after the dream that you have for yourself. If you have found that you have fallen into a bad habit of not writing, don't get down on yourself. Look at it, accept it, forgive yourself, and then look at today's writing as a new day. You can do this. So that's it for me. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Author Your Dream, a podcast dedicated to helping you as you fulfill your dream of writing and publishing a book. With your host, Kenny McKay. Today, I am excited to welcome my guest, Dana Kay. Dana is a lifelong entrepreneur who believes in the power of storytelling and authentic personal branding. In 2009, she founded K Publicity Inc., a boutique PR company specializing in publishing and entertainment. Known for her innovative ideas and knowledge of current trends, she coaches her clients on how to identify and establish their unique personal brands. In 2016, Dana launched Murder and Mayhem in Chicago, a one-day conference dedicated to crime fiction with mystery author Lori Rader Day. In 2020, she co-founded Bouquet Stock Photography, a curated library of diverse and inclusive stock photos with Felton Kaiser. She is also the author of two books, Your Book, Your Brand, The Step-by-Step Guide to Launching Your Book and Boosting Your Sales, and The Personal Brand Workbook. And she also serves on the advisory board of Propel PR. Dana, I just want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, publicity and marketing. I am as well. I'm glad we could chat. So just to start out, could we just get a little bit of your journey and how you got into all this PR stuff? Absolutely. So like many of your listeners, I actually started off as a writer. I went to art school in the creative writing program. And at the time I thought I was going to move, I was actually scheduled to move to Prague and write the great American novel and, you know, sip wine and smoke galois and whatever. Um, but then I took a class in one of my, and I think my final year of school called freelance applications. And that class taught me to write various things, taught me grant writing, journalism pieces, reviews, um, and all types of freelance writing. And I really, really enjoyed it. And so not only did I learn how to do the writing, but as part of the course, we actually pitched and I was able to secure some freelance writing gigs while I was still in college. Primarily, my my primary focus was book reviews. I reviewed books for Time Out as well, or Time Out Chicago, as well as the Chicago Sun-Times. And when I graduated, I continued freelancing. I would basically write whatever you wanted if you paid me. So I would write everything from insurance copy, a website for, excuse me, copy for an insurance website, brochures. I did some grant writing, um, but the, the book reviews and the author profiles and speaking with creatives was really what I loved. And so in 2008, 
some of us may remember, there was a big recession and print publications were going out of business. And I saw the writing on the wall that freelance writing was going to change dramatically and that I didn't like where it was going. So I needed to make a change. And what I really loved about reviewing books specifically was I love telling people what to read. I love matching people who maybe say, oh, I don't read books or I only read this type of book and introducing them to new books that they would really love. And so I said, okay, well, publicity and marketing, that seems like a good fit. I'll promote books instead of writing about them. The only problem was, is that publishing, or at least American publishing is mostly in New York. And I'm a proud lifelong Chicagoan. I have no interest in moving to New York. And so while I was applying for jobs, I was doing so half-heartedly because I really didn't want to move. And so I was at a writer's conference as a book critic with my freelance writer hat on. And I was talking to a debut author friend from the community and she, her debut novel was coming out in that May of 20, 2009. This was February of 2009. And she was saying that she needed to hire an outside publicist because it was the recession. Her book was coming out in hardcover. She didn't have any name recognition. And so I started talking to her about things she should look for because as a freelancer, I got pitched by publicists all the time. So as a freelancer, I was saying, oh, make sure that they always follow up, make sure they send an email before they send a book, make sure they don't send glitter bombs with the package, all these things. And after me spending about 10 minutes telling her what she should look for, she turns to me and she's like, well, can you just do it? You seem to know how publicity works. So can you just be my publicist? And so from there, I said, you know what? I think I can. And I started with her. We did her campaign. Uh, we did a lot of interesting things that were really novel at the time, but this was 12 years ago. So to listeners, they may see like that doesn't sound really innovative, but this was when Twitter wasn't a common thing. It was very early on. It was when Facebook just became a, just became open to the public before it was just for college students. And so we did a lot of innovative things that the big five publishers weren't doing. And because of that word spread really quickly. And within the year I had 30 clients. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and so I never look back. I really, I, as much as I, I love writing, I write every day. I write newsletters. I write press materials. I write proposals. I love writing and that's always a part of it, but it's really the matching people with books that is lights my fire. Oh man, that, I love that. That is fantastic. So we're talking about publicity and marketing today. So as we get started, I think the best thing to start with is kind of a definition of what publicity is and a definition of marketing and how are they different? Absolutely. There's a lot of misconceptions about these things. So I'll try to explain it really plainly. Publicity is earned media coverage. It's someone else talking about your book or it's someone else hosting an interview. So it is a book review, it is a YouTuber holding up your book and talking about it. It is you, Kenny, having me on your show and to discuss you know, my, my work. So publicity is earned media. It's something that is not paid for, you can't control it, but it also has a lot more clout than marketing. Marketing on the flip side is you talking about your book. 
or your work as an author. So it's your social media platforms, it's your email newsletter, or it's placed media, meaning you're, send, you're placing an advertorial or you're doing a sweepstakes or a swap with another author to, for placement in their newsletter. So marketing isn't necessarily paid, it can be paid, but the difference is that it is placed and you control the message. So while, you know, Kenny, you may have some childcare issues today and have to cancel the interview or a client may have a news TV news appearance and then there's breaking news like there is every day and their TV appearance gets bumped. We can't control a lot of those things and we can't control if the reviewer likes the book or not, right? So publicity, we have no control over. Marketing, if I send an email through my newsletter provider, like through MailChimp or MailerLite, it guarantees to land in their inbox. If I post to my social media, it's guaranteed to appear on my social media. So it's placed media and we can control it. I also control what it says. If I'm doing an advertisement, they don't wing it for me. I write, I create the copy, I create the assets and send it over to them. So that is the difference. And when we think about marketing, think about it as something that you are talking about your book and you are controlling the message, whereas publicity is earned media coverage and it's someone else talking about your book. Oh, that is a fantastic and definitely understandable definition of the two. Um, when should somebody start thinking about promotion? So this varies for fiction and nonfiction. So fiction, I believe you just need to write a really, really, really good book and then choose your path to publication. So if you're going to self-publish, then that means you're thinking about, okay, I'm gonna have the book come out on this date. I'm gonna partner with these people to help me launch the book, or I'm gonna do it all myself, whatever it is. Um, but once you pick your path to publication, that's when you would start thinking about marketing and promotion. If you are traditionally publishing, if you decide, you know what, I'm not gonna self-publish, I'm gonna traditionally publish, then it's after your agent, or I guess with a, if you have a small press, you could sell your book directly, but it's after you have the book contract, that's when you start thinking about marketing and publicity. So in fiction platform, I'm using air quotes, platform is icing on the cake. So if you have a great social media following, if you write op-eds for a magazine, all of that is icing, but it's not gonna be the thing that gets you the deal. The thing that gets you the deal is the book itself. On the flip side, nonfiction, it's all about your platform. So you actually start thinking about growing your platform and marketing and promotion before you even start like finishing or shopping the book proposal. So all of the marketing tactics or the your website or pitching yourself for interviews or op-eds where you can position yourself as an expert in your field, all those things need to be done in advance. So your platform grows and then you have a more enticing book proposal to send to publishers. Nonfiction, if you choose to self-publish, that's totally fine and you can do either. So I will say it's so much easier to sell a book if you have an audience to sell it to. You're, it also, I think, makes a difference if you're writing, let's say, a business book or a self-help book. If you already have a platform, you already, you'll have a better idea of what your audience wants the worst is writing a book that no one wants mm. and having to find a new audience for that. So if you have a memoir, if you have a self-help book, if you have a business book, whatever it is, 
you can write it first and then find an audience for that book, or you could grow your audience for your expertise and then figure out what they are trying to solve for and then market directly, write the book and market directly to them. Okay. So for somebody who's listening and they just have an idea of a book, should they start now to start building up the, the talking about it and getting the word out there and building their platform? If they write fiction, they need to write the book. I would even not even think about any of this. Okay. <laughs> I would think of, I would honestly, if you're, if you're listening and you're like, I have an idea and a wish to write a book, then stop the pod, sorry, Kenny, stop the podcast now and go write your book, <laughs> but then save this and come back to it later. Um, but if you are, if you're a nonfiction author, you do have to start thinking about marketing and promotion just because you have to think about how you're going to position the book and who's going to buy your book. I will say that you should start writing something because there are some people who have ideas. We talk to a lot of people. I get a lot of inquiries through our contact form of people who have ideas for a book. They just want someone else to write it. And, you know, maybe you want to do a ghostwriting thing and maybe that's your path, but I do think you need to be comfortable with a certain amount of writing. So if you have an idea of a book, maybe start with writing the intro or writing the back cover copy or writing the author letter or the synopsis or whatever it may be to start fleshing out those ideas before you just go gangbusters and start marketing it. If you know, if you have an idea or you just know you want to write a book and you have some sort of an audience, it could be an interesting experiment to survey your audience and just find out what they want to read. Like find out what they need. Like what types of books do you read? What are you still being challenged by? What are you struggling with? Um, you can do a lot of that research to help stack the deck for a successful book launch. But that also means relinquishing some of your control, meaning you're going to write to your market versus writing what's pulling you. So as my, my art school background <laughs> comes in, follow the muse will come if you feel inspired. So I always will tell authors regardless, like even some of our best-selling authors, our long-term clients will say, is this a good idea? Should I not be writing this book? And I always say, from a PR angle, probably not. You know, you write, you know, you write adult thrillers and you're doing this YA fantasy now, and like that's not helpful. But if that's what's pulling you, it's going to be a really, really good book. And so just do it. So I would say if something is pulling you, you should write to it regardless of the market. And, and just kind of touching on platform a bit. Um, so obviously there's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Is that something that we want to focus on or do we want to focus on building our own platform, like having our own website and our own newsletters? When you grow your following on these social media platforms, you're building a house on rented land, mm -hmm. meaning someone can come in and take it. <laughs> you do not own those followers. You don't have control over what they see. You also you know, don't know if you don't have control if they leave, right? If they, a lot of people we saw um, this year and a couple of years ago, really leaving Facebook in droves. So people who built huge Facebook followings now can't reach those people. So I believe that it's good to focus on one, maybe two platform, social media platforms, because there's an aspect of discoverability and community that happens there, but there needs to be a concerted effort to bring people to your website and to your email list. So you have 100% control over your email list, right? Like if 
MailChimp folds, you have your spreadsheet of all your emails and you can take it to another provider. You have a certain amount of control over what they see because if you send an email, unless it gets knocked into spam, like the email is going out to your list. And so I think that it's really great for discoverability because not that many people are typing in like, you know, YA fantasy author into Google and browsing authors' websites, right? They're scrolling through social media and looking at what their friends are reading. And so I do think social media plays a role for discoverability, but there needs to be a ongoing effort to bring people into your world and connect with them on your platforms. So a couple of examples that help do this. Um, one is we have a lot of authors who are active on Instagram. Instagram seems to be a favorite. There's lots of book people on there. It's a little happier than Twitter is and it's a little bit more comfortable. And so what a lot of our authors will do is they will in their stories probably once a week or maybe every other week, post an Instagram story saying, hey, I'm working on my newsletter right now. If you wanna get it, enter your email here and they use the sticker, the ask a question sticker enter your email here and I'll put you on the list. So what that does, even if you have the swipe up feature, they do this because it lets someone, it's more work for the author, but it lets someone stay on the platform. So if I'm just like sitting, brushing my teeth and tap, tap, tapping through my stories, I can easily just tap the question, enter my email and go on. I don't have to go to a different platform, a different website, it reduces the friction. So that's been really helpful in helping authors grow their lists. Another thing we've been doing is obviously the world has gone virtual and so many people are doing virtual events. So for authors who have a big Facebook following, but we need to bring them into their world, we've used platforms like Crowdcast to do virtual events that will push to Facebook. But in order to activate the chat or the Q&A function, they have to sign up and get into Crowdcast. So the video streaming to Facebook is that discoverability aspect, right? People are like more likely to be scrolling through Facebook and be like, oh, there's a live going on. Oh, I wanna ask that author a question. How do I do that? Oh, I have to go to this thing. Then they click a link and sign up and then that collects email addresses. Um, so those are the ways that we've been trying to use the social media platforms for discoverability and community engagement, but having an ongoing effort to move people off of those platforms and into people's newsletter lists. Oh, excellent. Yeah, because I do websites for, for authors and, and others as well. And that's what I'm always telling them is that, you know, use your, your social media to point them back to your home base, you know, and then from there, you can communicate them with them on your own terms without Absolutely. you know Facebook deciding that they're going to change the rules on you which but you has have to happened. give them a reason right you have mm -hmm. to incite like our emails are currency my inbox mm -hmm. is a high value place to be right now um, it looks yeah. a little bit like a dumpster fire and so if you're asking for space in my inbox by me giving you email and giving you the ability to email me it needs to be something good and I need to feel confident that you're not going to spam me. It's not super. So saying things like I'm working on a newsletter about this. If you want it, let me know. Feels like a little bit easier because people will know what to expect. If you're doing an event or giving people reason like, hey, you can talk to me right now and I'll answer your questions live. That's incentive. 
um, when you build your websites, Kenny, I'm sure you're seeing like people having forms that say, sign up for a free short story or a novella or some sort of bonus content. You have to give people a reason to opt in and you have to make them feel safe. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we call it a reader magnet. So, yeah. And I have actually just finished one and they did a, like a whole extended prequel, which is something that I've never seen before. And I thought that was pretty, pretty good idea. Cause she had never heard of it when I mentioned, I said, you know, you should probably have something to offer them. She's like, Oh, that's a good idea. So it was, it was a, definitely a key point is to have something to offer them, you know, and yeah, what I like about the prequel idea a lot is one, it'll give a nod to people who have already read the books, but it will also entice people to come read the books because if they like the prequel, then they can get the book <laughs> and start where they left off. So it has a two-prong approach. It can attract new readers who never read the book and it will like in further engage your existing readers. So that's a great idea. So we talked a little bit about the, you know, about marketing is and things you can do. What are some mistakes that you can, you often see authors making in the promotional side of things? I tell authors to keep their eyes on their own paper. <laughs> That's my, one of my biggest pieces of advice, because what happens is when we get scared, when authors in particular get nervous, like they're nearing their book launch or they're feeling overwhelmed. They start looking at what everyone else is doing and start mimicking this, having no idea if this is successful, right? Like if someone is doing a bookstagram tour, all you can see is they did a bookstagram tour. You can't see what their sales numbers are, what their click-through rates were. You don't know if it's successful and yet you're jumping in with two feet to do it. So while I believe it's important to learn and to assess and to get information and learn what to do and what not to do, I think that needs to all be done first before the execution of the plan. Once you start executing, just because you're getting nervous doesn't mean you should just start throwing everything into the mix. So that's number one. Just because another author is doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Or it, and it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. Maybe it's the right thing for that author, but your audience wants something else. So keep your eyes on your own paper. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. The second thing is to pick one or two things and just do them really well. So I have authors that come to us and they send, we send an intake form. They give us an intake form of like all their social media. And I see they're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, like everything. And they're doing none of it, none of it right. So I believe in thinking about one or two things and just doing it really well. So maybe you have one social media platform I do recommend everyone do email marketing. So just that needs to be in your, in your um, wheelhouse. But, and then maybe if you're gonna do publicity, maybe focus just on booking yourself for podcasts. Don't worry about all the radio. Don't worry about TV. Don't worry about print. Just say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna focus on podcasts. I'm just gonna do a bunch of podcast interviews and just see what happens. And focusing by focusing on two, maybe three things like initiatives, you ensure that you do it really well. So you're going to tailor, you're going to pick good podcasts. You're going to tailor your pitches. Your social media platforms are going to be more focused. You'll be more engaging on them. And then you also ensure that it gets done because how many of us have had that long to-do list and it's just like, Ugh, all right, I don't need to post to Twitter today or Ugh, I don't need to do that. I'll bump that down the line, whatever it is. By creating really manageable projects for yourself, you'll ensure that you make an impact and actually do the work. If you put too much on your plate, you just won't do anything. 
Oh, definitely. I totally agree with that, especially as an indie author, you are doing everything. So just, you know, making it as simple in some respect as you can for yourself. Um, Cause I do Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I don't, I'm trying Twitter, but I, like, I'm just testing the waters, but I don't actually like Twitter and I don't, I don't like in how everybody engages. So I'm kind of just sticking to the things that I'm comfortable with for the podcast uh, while experimenting in a sustainable way, you know, and like you were saying, I don't want to get overwhelmed so that I just bump something. And, and for, for authors, you don't want that as well, especially if you're an independent author and you're doing, you know, 900 other tasks that you have to do. Yeah. And when you, I always laugh too, because when people say I'm adding something, so I'm like, you're going to try Twitter now. What are you giving up? Because you didn't just get 25 hours in your day, right? You you still have the same 24, maybe even less now that with, uh, you know, kids at home and all these other responsibilities. So, okay, you're going to try Twitter. What are you going to let go of? And so I think that people need to think about that, that it is a, your, your time isn't an infinite availability. And so if you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to launch a YouTube channel. Great. What aren't you going to do? Are you not going to sleep? Are you going to give up working out? Are you going to leave something else? Like, what are you not going to do? And so every, cause every yes is a, every yes to one thing is a no to something else. So I think being really conscious about as you grow the things that you're doing, not to only add on, but to also peel off the things that are no longer serving you. So maybe Kenny, it's like you are going to auto post or just cross post to Facebook and not do original content to Facebook. So that cuts down on time and that new time is going to be allotted to Twitter. Then you may say, you know what? Twitter is a dumpster fire. I'm going to just slowly moonwalk out of here. And then you can take that time back to Facebook and then you can start investing more time in Facebook lives or IGTV or other things that may help you utilize those programs more. So I think if you're going to add more things, just also think about what you're taking away and just know that it's fluid. Like I started seeing on our website, a lot of traffic. I left, I left Twitter, I think two years ago. I haven't left it. It just, there's a pinned tweet that's like, I've abandoned this for greener pastures. So connect with me here. And I started seeing a lot of traffic coming from Twitter and I'm looking at, I'm like, okay, I can't figure out why. Oh, I see I'm getting mentioned a lot by certain people and it's resulting in website traffic. Maybe I'll try it again. And then I started kind of dipped my toe back in, tried it. I'm like, nope, I left here for a reason and, and left again. And so I think just knowing that you're not wetting this you're not wedded to this for life. You can try things and change. Oh, excellent. Actually, that's a fantastic point. And it's not something that I even considered. You know, I was just looking at what I could do rather than what I, I'm going to have to give up. But that is an excellent, excellent point. Uh, just kind of switching a little bit because it connects the whole thinking about what you're going to give up. But talking about mentality, when you're, you're getting ready to um, do your promotions, what kind of mentality should you have? Because I know when I started writing the book, I had to get over my, like a whole list of limiting beliefs. I had to, you know, oh, you nobody knows you. You're not good enough. You've never written a book before. You've never done, you know, so I had to change my mindset to write the book and, pub and eventually publish the book. Um, what are some mindset changes that you're going to have to do when you're beginning your PR I really believe in the biggest mindset shifts is around self-promotion. 
right? So when people, when I tell, when people think of these words self-promotion, they're like, oh, like no one, oh, I guess there's a small percentage of people who love promoting themselves, but the majority of us don't, like I'm from the Midwest, like we don't talk ourselves up, like we don't brag, we don't promote, like it's just not in our nature. However, we do, it is in our nature, I hope, to serve people and to help people. And so this mindset shift about how can your book help another person? And you may think that, oh, I just write these silly popcorn reads, it's not helping anybody. But I will tell you, I'm reading a book and it is for work, so it kind of, it doesn't really count, but still. Um, we have a, I have a number of manuscripts. Um, we read our all our potential clients' books before I even offer a proposal. And I am reading right now this lovely, sweet, romantic comedy. I have had a really hard, this has been a hard week, candidly. This has been a really hard week. We've had employee turnover. We've had a slew of new clients. Again, great, but busy. And I have looked forward to reading that sweet romance every time, like every night when I put the kiddo to bed, I'm so excited and it lifts, it lightens up my day. I go to bed feeling energized and like all is right with the world. So your quote unquote silly popcorn novels are helping people, right? It's helping people decompress. It's helping people imagine. It's helping people find entertainment, find joy. I, you know, my son is reading the Ramona books now. We were reading Harry Potter before, like it creates conversation and connection with families. So if you can think about ways to that your books are serving your audience, it's not going to feel like self-promotion. So if you write nonfiction, that's a little bit easier. I hope you know like who your target is and what you're giving them. But for fiction, it's the same as true. So if you are writing, you know, thrillers that give people an edge of your seat, it give people a front row seat to this action without having to experience any danger, that's great. If people, if you're writing romance and you're giving people an escape and a happy ending that they just know, like, it's all going to be right in the end, all will be right in the world, that's service. So I think changing our mindset to like, I have to promote this book to there are people looking for entertainment. How can I serve them by giving them the right books? So, you know, people aren't People are going onto Netflix and searching for things, right? People want entertainment. They're browsing Goodreads. They're looking for, they're listening to podcasts, listening for book recommendations. They're asking their friends what they're reading. They're joining book clubs. They want more books. They want more things to read. They want good books. So if you can say, okay, when I send out a newsletter or when I post something to Twitter or to Instagram or wherever, I am serving them by talking about my book and giving them the information so that they might be interested. So when you're talking about the research that went into your historical novel, you may one, be giving your existing fans a behind the scenes look, which they appreciate, it furthers your connection with them. But then you're also showing new fans like, oh, he did, this article plays a role in the book. This article is really interesting. I wonder how it plays a role in the book. I'm gonna go check it out. So if we can think about how we serve people versus selling, it will feel a lot easier and you'll sell more books. Oh, that is excellent. Cause I know like what you're saying with the, uh, with nonfiction, cause I do a lot of nonfiction so that I know who my people are. So I'm always like, you know, I'm helping this, this people group 
answer this question or solve this issue. But when it comes to fiction, which I'm diving into because I, you know, I've always had that desire to and talked about it a few episodes before as well, but it's more difficult. So I'm shifting my mindset there and I trying to think of like, how am I doing a service to the people? So that answers that question wonderfully. So you mentioned reaching out to uh, radio and newspapers and podcasters. How would you tailor a pitch email to reach out to these types of promotional opportunities? So because I assume when you're list- those listening are not full-time publicists, you probably have not that many connections to media people, which is 100% okay. But it also means that you have to take a little bit more time in researching and tailoring and crafting a good pitch email to those people. So if, if I'm pitching somebody once a week, every week, I can shorthand it with them. I can just say, hey, Marilyn, here's a book that you might like. Here's a synopsis. Let me know if you're interested. She knows me. We know each other. It, it's a little bit easier. But if I'm reaching out to a new contact who doesn't know me from Adam, who doesn't, who probably gets hundreds of emails every day from publicists spamming their account, in order to stand out, you need to demonstrate that this is not a spammed email. This is not a canned email, that it's tailored specifically for them. So to the first step is the subject line, right? Because you got to get through that without getting deleted. So the subject line should express a indication of it's that it's specifically for that media outlet and why someone should care. So for example, you know, Kenny, you talk to aspiring authors, authors who are just starting out. So I may say, you know, publicists for, you know, publicists to just to help authors, to help first-time authors market their book or something like that. So it's clearly speaking to your audience. Or maybe I'm pitching a local TV station and I have a local event. So I may say, you know, local, or I may give the date in the subject line. And I may say launch event at, and just at Chicago bookstore, you know, feature in the Chicago Tribune or something like that. These are really bad subject lines now that I'm hearing them, but you get, <laughs> you get the picture. You wanna just say, the, the subject line should say, okay, this person clearly read, clearly like took some time, knows who I am and is tailor is tailoring it for me. That's the first step. Um, I'll, I'll also give an example too of, I mentioned we've had some employee turnover, so I'm currently hiring. The amount of emails I'm getting just, just says like, for your marketing and events position, for your publicist position, for your whatever position, as opposed to like, book lover ready to promote your author's titles to show them that they've done some research into like what our company is and what and what we're looking for. Those are the emails that get looked at first. A lot of the other ones just get filed away. So just think about how you're going to get them to open the email. The second thing is doing the journalist's job for them. Meaning if you're pitching a review, a book review to a magazine that does not have a book section, it's probably not going to be successful. They're not going to see how it fits in. However, if they have a seasonal section or a arts and culture section, you may pitch a feature, a roundup column of best beach reads going into the summer 
and your book should be included. Maybe you even share some other people's books to include. And so if you really illustrate where the, your book is going to fit within their existing coverage, it's going to increase the chances of them look, taking a look. This also goes back to this idea of serving and not selling, right? As I think back to radio shows, some of these radio hosts have four hour time blocks. They need to fill it. So showing them how you can help fill that time block with something interesting that's going to appeal to their audience is serving them just as much as it's serving you. So in your pitch email, you wanna lead with the most important information first, meaning who you are, why you're writing and why they should care. Then if you wanna go into maybe the most important information is your book synopsis. So if you're pitching a review, they wanna know the synopsis, the pub date and the publisher. But if you're pitching an interview to talk about a topic, it might be more about your bio and your talking points versus the actual synopsis of the book. So think about what information is most important to this journalist that you're pitching and then lead with that. So those are some things to look at. First is the subject line. Make sure they know this pitch is exactly for them and it's not a copy and paste job or a mass email. And then tailoring it within the body of the email to, to take the guesswork away from the journalist so they could exactly see, okay, I see why this fits in. I see my, why my audience cares. I know what section this is going in and just make it really easy for them. Yeah, that's great. So basically you want to first show why, how you can add value to them and what they do and then answer the, answer the question, you know, this is why I can, and this is how I'll do it. Yeah. Cause I know as a podcaster, I get pitched a lot. Like I have enough pitches to fill an entire year of podcasting. But there are some people who are like, hey, I wrote this book about this and this is what I did and it's really great and I, your listeners are going to love it. And I'm like, that that tells me absolutely nothing. Like, how are you going to help my listeners? Why why is this different than any other person you've pitched? Yeah, right? like, How do I know that this isn't just being sent to a bunch of people? Why do you even want to be on my show? I always love when I get pitches for the podcast and they clearly don't know what show this is because- I, I, I also have a podcast reaching writers and they pitch me stuff about like business and entrepreneurship. I'm like, my people don't care. Like, do you serve authors? Cause yeah, they're not, it's not going to help them. It's not going to help you either. It's not going to be a mute. You also want to have a mutually beneficial relationship. So just as you want to show how you fit in and how you appeal to their audience, you also want to make sure that like that audience is good for you too. So if you write, let's say self-help for moms, then reaching a primarily male audience isn't going to help you in any way. So you need to make sure that you're finding podcasts and finding outlets and contacts that are truly a good fit. We have clients who are like, I want to talk to Joe Rogan. Well, fine. But like Joe doesn't reach your audience. Like no one's going to read the book, your book from that. So like, why do you want to talk to Joe? Um, we have plenty of people who are like, I want to sit on the couch with Ellen and talk to Ellen. Great. But you don't, Ellen doesn't reach your target market. So why it's not going to result in anything. So rather than just focusing on like doing all the top tier podcasts or all the top tier media, think about where your audience gets their information. Like where is your target audience showing up and then focus on those spaces. So obviously uh, right now we're going through this pandemic. Um, how has 
promotion changed during the pandemic and how are authors and publishers approaching these? I think the fundamentals will not change that people want to read. We saw for the first time in many, many years, an increase in book sales, like book sales went up in print In print book sales went up and miracle. And so people for the end of time will want to read. And for the end of time, they're gonna to wanna to read books that they think or almost know that they will like, right? We don't wanna take a risk spending $25 on a hardcover and seven to eight hours of our lives reading something that's bad. And so that, that, that fundamental hasn't changed. So our job as promoters is to connect with the right people and mitigate that risk for them. Show them through reviews, through interviews, through social media, through marketing, what the book is and whether or not they'll like it. So that hasn't changed. The thing that has changed obviously is the basics of, you know, supply chains are broken, warehouses are closing down, getting books to bookstores and whatnot is hard. Uh, right now we have some books stuck in the ocean, like they're coming over from Europe and or China or wherever, and they're in the port situation is hard. So the distribution, the supply chain is broken any in-person events are moving online. So some of these more typical changes are occurring, but honestly, I think connecting with readers is still this like universal thing. It's just the medium in which we're doing it. The, the silver lining and those who know me know I'm an internal optimist. So through this whole thing, I'm like, well, this is, has some great opportunities as people's tours are getting canceled and pub dates are shifting and books are missing and things. But the, the two things that really came out of this, other than people are reading more, which is fabulous, it also trained people to get used to online events. So we've been doing online events and virtual conferences for years, but it was a new thing for people. There was a huge learning curve. And now everyone is used to it. So now I think virtual events are here to stay. I think we may have in-person events as well, but those will be streamed and the virtual event will continue. And I also think it took location out for many people. So for example, when we had authors on tour, they would fly into a city that morning and do the event that evening and then fly out the next morning, which means TV, local morning shows, we could never get because they were flying in. Now they're not flying anywhere. And so the morning shows will take them wherever they are. So we've been able to book a lot more local TV than we have in the past because they're not wedded to location. So there's been some like really interesting things that have come out of this that I think will I think will continue um, even as we all ideally get vaccinated and are released back into the world. Um, but I think that the the idea that readers want to find good books that's that's a constant, and it's just the mediums in which we reach those readers have changed. Excellent. And just kind of a follow-up question on that is, what kind of things are dying, do you think? Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to use the same old, same old when the same old is no longer working. It's hard for me to predict that. I have a feeling publishers are going to, they have always, publishers have been moving away from in-person events and big book tours regardless. I think they're going to almost completely do away with them. However, I actually think that in-person connection is gonna be more important than ever. I think we are tired of Zoom. Like we are mm -hmm. tired of being on screens. 
we would like to connect with a person. For example, I know, I mean, Kenny, we're talking, we both have kids. If there's something in person that my kid can go to, we're going. Like, oh, you're gonna do a distanced story time in a park? Yes, we're there. But if they're like, we're gonna do this activity on Zoom, it's like, mm, maybe not, no thank you. And so I do think that, I think that in-person events, there is gonna be a bigger appeal for in-person events, um, but I don't, but I think the publishers may try to do away with it. Um, I also think just in publishing in general, I'm not sure how many people are going to be going back to the office or how publishers are going to maybe restructure so that the remote is more acceptable. Because I know people who have worked for the big five and the big five didn't let them work remotely. They would say things like, you know, my husband or wife got a job here. I got to move. Can I keep my job and work remotely? And they'd say no. And so I think that they're going to be more used to and more open to remote work, which go is going to attract a more diverse talent pool, I think. Oh, excellent. What is uh, one thing that our listeners can implement after listening to this show, you know, to help in their author journey? Sure. I think that if they are already working on a book, if they if they're writing their first book, <laughs> they can begin to think about who is this book for and begin to envision their target audience. So one of the activities I like to recommend is if you think about your book on someone's shelf, right? Because aspiring writers always like to envision, oh, someone will have my book on this beautiful library shelf. What else is on that person's shelf? What is, who's sitting next to you on that bookshelf? And that will start to give, paint a picture about your target audience. If you are a published author and you already have an audience or you're writing nonfiction, you already have a platform, begin to ask your audience, like send out, you can send out a survey or you could just use a really casual poll or question on social media. Just ask them, where do you find out about new books? Where do you find what to read next? And that simple question is going to give you some really great nuggets about where you should focus your promotion efforts. Oh, excellent. That is a really useful and easy to do tip right there. So as we're getting ready to close out, could you just tell us a little bit about um, your book, your brand, and where people can pick it up if they want to? Sure. So one of the things that I'm committed to is making book publicity and book promotion more accessible to people. So to hire us as your publicist costs thousands of dollars and we take on only 1% of the people who query us. And so that's not super accessible. However, um, I've written a book called Your Book, Your Brand, the step-by-step -step guide to launching your book and boosting your sales, available wherever books are sold, but probably online because pandemic. And so um, that book will take you through the process of everything you need to know about launching your book. If you want to take a step deeper and you need more accountability and community and you're a more experiential learner, then I also have the Your Breakout Book membership community. So that membership has trainings and a, a very active community of savvy authors. We also do monthly roundtable discussions where we pick a topic and chat through it. Um, and we all learn from each other. And so you can view more about that at kpublicity.com slash your breakout book. And that's K-A-Y-E publicity.com slash your breakout book. And if somebody wanted to connect with you on social media, where's best to do that? Probably on Instagram is where I'm spending most of my time. 
So if you want to connect with me personally, it's Dana K2323 um, on Instagram. So D-A-N-A-K-A-Y-E-2-3 on Instagram. I learned a lot from today's episode with Dana K. She really made me think about the things that I'm picking up means that I'm going to have to say no to something else. So it was a really good place for me to kind of reflect on what I'm planning on doing in the future. Speaking of future, I wanted to share with you about the book that I've talked about a few times in the past episodes. The book is a guide to help aspiring authors go through the journey of writing and publishing their books. This past week, I received it back from my editor, and I'm ready to move on to getting that book cover designed, and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you, and I'm planning on releasing it in a few months. Join me next time as I'm going to be speaking with an author about how to write better dialogue. Until next time, keep writing and keep dreaming.